Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. <laughs> hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So today we're going to be talking about turning pro. And if any of you know of the author, Stephen Pressfield, he is the author of Turning Pro. And I really, really enjoyed reading this book. He's probably better known for his book, uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance. Um, but this one in particular it kind of shares his journey of how he became a professional writer. And I think uh, today it'll be kind of cool for us to share a little bit about uh, what it takes to turn pro and what that means for you listeners as prep lifers in terms of mm -hmm. going pro in the IFBB league, or maybe it's going pro as a coach in the industry. But we're going to share that from a coach's and athlete's perspective. But first, let's talk about how the last seven days were for you. Chris, why don't you say Oh, sure. Well, it's been an adventure. Uh, we were on the road again this past week. Uh, we drove up to New Jersey actually to pick up a t-shirt printing machine. I won't get into the details of that because that's a whole long story. But um, we had an errand to run and then we hopped over to Philadelphia where I was able to spend some time with my family, my extended family to celebrate a belated Christmas. And then um, I am like super close with my mom and it was a pleasure to be able to give her um, a nice lunch. My sister and I cooked for her and um, we were celebrating her birthday and Mother's Day. So we did a lot of traveling around the Northeast, um, but I did get to see family. And um, we're, cur we're currently in Delaware and on our way back to North Carolina. So uh, hello to everyone in the States we've been in <laughs> in the past couple of days. That's awesome. Yeah, I just got back from Arizona last night. Uh, we were just in a home that my family purchased in February, and we have been Airbnb in it. And so uh, nice. my friends and I decided to go out there and check on the property, air quotes now. Um, so <laughs> we we enjoyed some uh, lake time with some kayaking, some hiking. It's right there in the foothills of the South Mountain and um did some you know hot tubbing and i got workouts every day that i was there and it was really nice i always like going to the pros um the pro physiques um gym it just has a really good vibe and um nice. you know just seeing damien there always makes me <laughs> work work a little harder so. i was gonna say you survived <laughs> yes i did so that's always a good thing. But yeah, it was good to have some sun. It's definitely a dry heat out there. Doesn't when it's mm. 106, it does not feel like 106 here in Kansas. You no. know, it's a totally different heat. I love it out there. Yes, it is beautiful. So, all right, let's dive into this book. So this is actually like the sequel, I guess you would say, of his original book, The Art of War. And that was um, basically he argues that the anecdote to uh, the resistance that the ultimate killer of creative dreams is turning pro. So turning pro is kind of like that follow up book and it answers the question, how exactly do you turn pro? So he kind of reveals the practical 
practical and actionable tactics that will help you transition from amateur to professional status in your craft. So Mm -hmm. key takeaways, why don't you start with ambition, Chris? Sure. So here is an excerpt from the book um, about ambition. It says, ambition, I have come to believe, is the most primal and sacred fundamental uh, fundament of our being. To feel ambition and to act upon it is to embrace the unique calling of our souls. Not to act upon that ambition is to turn our backs on ourselves and on the reason for our existence. Yeah, and then he describes what a shadow career is and we're going to kind of go into that in terms of especially like with my personal um, history I think I have a very distinct shadow careers that I uh, pursued before I actually went into my full-time career so another quote from that is sometimes we're terrified of embracing our true calling we'll pursue a shadow calling instead that shadow career is a metaphor for a real career its shape is similar, its contours feel tantalizing the same, but a shadow career entails no real risk. If we fail at a shadow career, the consequences are meaningless to us. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier to be a professional in a shadow career than it is to turn pro in our real calling. And you can spend a whole lifetime living in a shadow career, but it's turning pro in the craft of your calling that will bring your enduring fulfillment. So just to give you a little bit of a background on me, I was a teacher for 10 years and I did work in health and fitness. I ran the fitness center, I did aerobics, weights, um, PE, all that stuff. So I was in a fitness career. Um, I also taught health classes, so nutrition was part of that. But I always kind of on the side would help competitors and coach them. Uh, It Mm -hmm. would be like in the evenings or on the weekends and I would do like online, sometimes personal training uh, in the summers and things like that. And I always just kind of was like dipping my toe in it. I felt like I was pretty good at it because all of my competitors, whether they were male or female, they always placed in the top five, no matter who I was coaching. (laughs) But I just never, and I was really passionate about it. I loved it, but I always kind of had in the back of my mind, like, is this like a real job? Because I actually do this full time. Like, I love this so much. And I was a coach at the high school, you know, um, but it wasn't the same as coaching competitors. There was something about Mm -hmm. like that kind of athlete and fulfilling that kind of really high tier goal that was so rewarding to be a part of that journey with an athlete. And um, I was just always scared. I I felt like I kind of stayed with my salary position. I could always fall back on teaching. Um, It was very solid, stable career. But it, it was one of those things that like, I always got the Monday or the Sunday blues because Monday was coming up. Um, Mm. I never really looked forward to being controlled by bells and things like that. Like I wanted to really follow my passion. So I felt like that was a shadow career. And then when I moved to Kansas, um, I kind of had the same thing where I just, I didn't fully commit to it, uh, to the online coaching space and 100% doing competitor training and, um, all that. So, it was scary. I mean, to actually, you know, like dive head first into that and think like, okay, uh, it's risky. Right. So it's definitely, I was, that's kind of like the evolution. So, um, you know, I'm almost at the five year anniversary of the company here in July. So 
Um, I feel like I've been pro for five years. <laughs> yes, short short yeah. end of the story on that. So um, do you want to share your, uh, I mean, because yours isn't really like when we talk about being an athlete. So mm-hmm. kind of talk about that, like how that assimilates in this sure. situation. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, my first ever show, um, I, I had been working with Amy from the very beginning, but it was kind of like, I'm curious about this. I want to try it. Let's see how it goes. And that was my attitude going into the prep. I gave her 12 weeks. I said, this is what I have 12 weeks, like transform me. And, um, I was very serious about my prep and got on stage, but then that was it. It was like, I want to go through this experience of seeing what I can get out of my body, seeing what the experience like is on stage, but then I'm done. Like that's, that's enough for me. And I was excited about the sport. I did really well. Um, but I don't think I had the longevity mindset because I didn't really understand the process of like being in the sport. So um, through two years of stepping on stage once each time, um, it was a lot of like, okay, I, I'm feeling like I want to get on stage, so let's do this thing. Versus like having the mindset of how can I improve from show to show and um, what do I need to do to get there? So I think the first time that I did an NPC show was my third ever show. And, um, it, I think it, the real, I think that was, I had placed top five at the show and that's all that I knew was like, okay, you get, you know, trophies for top five. But Amy had called me and said, congratulations, you're nationally qualified. Cause that was the qualification criteria at the time and more questions of, okay, what are nationals and how do you advance? Like I was very uneducated in bodybuilding and what opportunities I had in front of me. And thankfully I had Amy as my guide and being offered, you know, being aware and offered like those opportunities of like, okay, this is, you know, these are potential paths that you can take stepping on stage for the show in the show. And um, I think having an idea more of a long game, really helped shift my mentality. And I would say that in the beginning of 2018, so my fourth ever show, my second ever um, NPC show, I told Amy that I wanted to win. Uh, I wanted to win. Like I actually had aspirations. I felt like, you know, I wanted to um complete a goal rather than just kind of like go with the flow. I, I wanted to set a standard or, or a def- definite goal. And um, I also let go of a lot of things in my life that I think were distractions and that were um, not adding value to me as an individual and my potential. And I think the simultaneously letting go of those things, plus having clear direction, um, I, and seeing that I could succeed with, uh, like Amy's long, like longevity plan helped me, I think, reframe my mentality. And that's where I looked at this more of, this is an everyday thing. This is part of my life. I already exercise and eat. So why not have certain parameters to help me 
get to towards the goals that I'm wanting. And then when I did earn my pro card, it was another shift in that I needed in my mentality because I had reached a new level and now it was, okay, well, now what am I going to do here? And I think that's where I had to really accept that this is, uh, I look at it more as a career um, and that this is uh, not just a, it is already a part of my life, but also it's a career. And um, I think it's a constant mental shift, no matter like what level you're in or, or how you're approaching your competition goals and each step along the way I had to like realign my mentality and each time that I've done that I think it's allowed me to continue moving forward so hopefully that makes sense that's kind of like a brief summary of my professional career as an athlete yeah so professionals versus amateurs so amateurs have this habit so like Chris was saying you know she would do the 12-week prep she would do it flawlessly she executed for mm-hmm. those 12 weeks and then kind of forgot about it. Professionals yep. have professional habits. So when she accepted that she is a pro before she even got her pro card, she was mm-hmm. establishing professional habits for a lifetime and making that decision. So amateurs are addicts. Professionals are artists. Um, mm-hmm. This is very, very true in terms of professionals – don't um, place a lot of value on things that provide distractions. So amateurs will have a lot of displacement activities. Um, For example, when I was a teacher, I remember doing um, a lot of just different things to kind of, um, I watched a lot of TV. I would Mm -hmm. um, do a lot of things that weren't um, really adding value and like pulling me towards my passion. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give some specific examples in this one? I, I, I know TV was like a big one for me for sure. No. Yeah. I think that's definitely, uh, I think probably a number one thing. And um, I think a lot of our competitors uh, because they are career women and moms and athletes, um, they have they're filling up a lot of their extra time where it would normally be television with getting to the gym and practicing posing and doing activities with their families. Um, I definitely think that there, a lot of these distractive um, activities that don't pull you towards your goal. uh, We run to because we're afraid, Um, you know, like constantly focusing on a goal and getting closer. I think sometimes can be uh overwhelming i know at least for me there's like that fear of success um and so i think just regulating some of those activities um Mm -hmm. and like you said amy there was a shift in what you focused your time on and that's allowed you to advance in your your calling yeah i mean even like my friend groups changed because we would do like a lot of like eating drinking like not good eating (laughs) um just kind of like (laughs) not really things that were serving me to become like a better professional and really reach my highest potential. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, with every addiction, there are two qualities and they embody repetition without progress. And then they also Mm -hmm. produce incapacity as a payoff. So 
um, it's definitely one of those things that <laughs> you kind of get into these habits that aren't serving you. Um, so not to say that TV isn't, is a bad thing. So like if I'm watching right. TV to get my steps in while I'm like on the treadmill to just power through some cardio, like as a distraction, that's totally fine. But I'm kind of like pairing that with a, a good habit. Right. Um, right. So do you want to share or add anything to that in regards to the addiction part? Um, yeah. So I think, so one thing for me when, so I'm a perfectionist, right? So when I look at my program as a competitor, um, I went from like almost like obsessive about like small things uh, just to be like, executing the plan absolutely perfect like I've used this example before of like I had um an option on my meal plan for shredded carrots and a recipe that you gave me and (laughs) my mom was running to the store and I told her can you pick up shredded carrots and she asked is it okay if they're like baby carrots or and I was like no they need to be shredded like so I think that there's that aspect of like the repetition without progress like you mentioned where you're so focused on um, or like hyper-focused on the same thing over and over um, without the benefit of education and also like long-term mentality. It's almost like you're stuck in that like uh, cycle. And that's where I think there, there becomes burnout, especially with like that amateur mentality. I know that's been an experience of mine specifically. So um, yeah. I think that we'll we'll probably go over some more um, examples of how to make that shift, but just making sure that you're adapting your mentality in um, whatever, you know, stage that you're in within your competition journey. Yeah. For me, it was like um, the part with the incapacity as the payoff. Um, I just remember like always feeling like after I was teaching or, whatever like I'd have to decompress by like just sitting on the couch and watching tv and so that incapacity I wasn't really like doing anything quality like to move myself forward Uh, resistance so this is a quote from the book resistance hates two qualities above all others concentration and depth why because when we work with focus we work deep we succeed so this was a huge game changer with me um when I was just you know, for several years, I would say, uh, you know, towards the end of my teaching career, and then, um, you know, for that time that I was the salary position doing personal training, I just always felt like I was never doing deep work, because I was always constantly like filtering over my passion. Whenever there was like extra space, I would just kind of like, do something in the evening or like do Mm -hmm. it on the weekend and it was never concentrated focused work so since I made the choice to become a professional when I decided to um, you know start the company I made business hours and I stuck to them and I know I've talked about Cal Newport before and deep work but there is something Mm -hmm. really to that I can really get through a lot of check-ins very efficiently because I do them on one day and when you repeat the same thing over and over and it's deep intentional focused chunked work 
you when you eliminate distractions and you really get intentional about what that day is intended for as a professional it can be extremely productive and like mm-hmm. today is our podcast day and you know I have certain days for like meeting clients in person um, doing mm-hmm. posing you know all these things I think if we don't allow ourselves um, you know putting time boundaries to things and making appointments for ourselves mm-hmm. it's that decision um, and I think you could probably speak on as an athlete I know for myself when I I decided to take things seriously as an athlete. I wasn't just like prepping my food on the fly. I wasn't just trying to get my cardio in when I could. Uh, I was setting appointments, you know, I was Mm -hmm. setting aside time and prioritizing those things as to when I was going to get to the gym and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's become part of my schedule and like rest days are on specific days because I know that, you know, maybe I'm not allotted as much time to invest in my workout because I have other obligations. Like, yeah, the becoming living with that pro mentality, like I said before, I've looked at it as a career. And so the things that I do as a professional athlete are budgeted directly into my schedule um, because they're, they're non-negotiable. Yeah. So we're just going to go over some of the qualities of an amateur and then uh, we can go over some of the qualities of a pro as well. Um, So first of all, uh, qualities of an amateur, they're terrified, they're egoists, they live by the opinion of others, they allow Mm -hmm. fear to stop them from trying, they're easily distracted, they seek instant gratification. Do you want to take some other ones? Sure. Amateurs are jealous. They also lack compassion for themselves, seek permission. They live for the future and live in the past. They amateurs will be ready tomorrow. They give away their power to others and amateurs are asleep. Yeah. I just think when I look at this list, I think about the fact that I was very, one of the reasons why I didn't, go pro sooner is I just felt like I was wondering what like people's opinion would be Mm. of me like even my parents you know because they're just very traditional like you get a college education you get a stable job that has insurance and a salary (laughs) and um you know that's just like a fear with inside of me like that I was gonna get judged because you know becoming an entrepreneur and not pursuing something that I was super passionate about and, you know, something that I was dreaming about doing that really lit my fire because I was just scared as to what someone else's opinion would be of me. Are there any of those things that um, stuck out to you in that list? Yes. So I think the feeling judged is definitely something that uh, I think a lot of us encounter. Um, I definitely felt like in some of my like transition period, um, like getting distracted was a big one. Like in the past, uh, I, like I said, it was very seasonal. I would compete and then I wouldn't compete. It was like on or off. Um, and when I definitely had made that transition in my mind, 
like, again, I had let go of a lot of things that were distracted, distracting, and it allowed me to be focused. And that's where I started getting momentum. Um, but I do think some of the things that I think hold us back are because as competitors, we can be so hard on ourselves. Like we're taught to look for the flaws and to constantly improve and perfect um, that we can sometimes self-defeat or we can be self-defeating. Um, maybe it's not like an outside perspective that we're worried about. It's really our own perspective of ourselves of just not feeling good enough or not feeling like you're advancing quick enough, or maybe you are comparing to another person. Um, I think all of those things that like competing against the person on Instagram, those are amateur men, uh, thoughts and we're all like I still fall in that trap so I'm not saying that I'm perfect but I think being cognizant of like that being a limiting factor um, I know that that has helped me be a better athlete and put less burden on my coach as well by being responsible with where my thoughts are and where my focus is and like okay Christine like you need to like rein it in here you're letting this influence your self-perception too much and then it, it, you know, sending in check-ins as I'm super discouraged and like those things are okay. Um, but I think there's also that responsibility when you're working as a professional to, um, you know, be cognizant of making those adjustments in your mindset as well too. Yeah. And I think, uh, living for the future or the past, uh, you know, always looking forward to something that's coming up or, you know, reminiscing mm -hmm. about the good old days, things like that are very amateur, whereas a yes. professional is very in the present. So as a coach, you know, I think about, you know, it doesn't matter how many like wins my clients have had, like what we need to do is like right now, like what am I doing yes. right now to take care of my clients to be the very, very best. Um, yeah. So turning pro is a decision. It's a decision to pursue your calling in the face of overwhelming fear. It's a decision to structure your life, to confront that fear day after day. It's a decision to develop the habits that your professional craft requires. It's a decision to wake up. And then this quote is, um, the pro mindset is a discipline that we use to overcome resistance, to defeat the self-sabotaging habits of procrastination, self-doubt, susceptibility to distraction, perfectionism, and shallowness. We enlist the mm -hmm. self-strengthening habits of order, regularity, discipline, and constant striving after excellence. So why don't you share some of those professional qualities? Sure. So a professional shows up every day, uh, stays on the job all day. A professional is committed over, is committed over the long haul. And for professional, the stakes are high and real. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on how that pertains as an athlete or is that pretty great? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was a big shift of like, these things are part of my life now they're integrated into my schedule. So every day, every decision I make is in an effort to put, a, uh, an improved physique on stage next time I step up there. It's not a matter of, I used to think in terms of, you know, 12 weeks and six weeks, um, and I'll see changes on peak week. And it became, okay, what am I doing now for, even if I don't have 
a set show. Like right now I don't have a specific show that I'm aiming for, but I know that that timeline is short and that show is coming up. So, you know, my training sessions in the gym need to be focused on that muscle group and they need to be intense and I need to make sure that I'm stretching beforehand. So I'm getting the most out of my workouts. Um, and I think also when you have that, I will say the part about like the stakes are high and real. That was a hard thing for me to accept. Um, I think everybody wants to go pro and it's so exciting and you want that title. And I think the one thing that surprised me was like, I was afraid again. Like I had like climbed this mountain and I had accomplished this thing. And now like winning is harder and uh, the competition is like next level. And so like, I, I think I had to make that shift in my brain as well. Like, okay, I've shifted it into a pro mentality, but now I also need to keep it. Um, I have to keep it focused because like there's less wiggle room now. And I think the more that you can just adapt that into like part of your everyday mentality, it won't be such a big shift when you do win your pro card. It's kind of like, okay, I know the competition is top notch and it's top notch every day. And I'm going to do hundred percent what I can to live out this lifestyle. Yeah. I could see the, the shift in your mentality uh, for sure. It was a different way of just the way that you carried yourself for sure. And um, yeah. I mean, for me in the professional sense, showing up every day is super important for me to show up every day for my clients, no matter what I have going on in my life. I, if I'm competing, if I have personal things going on, I try to stay as stable as a mentor for coaches on our staff. And then also yeah. like, if you'll notice, I, even if I'm on vacation or I'm traveling, like yesterday I was in the airport doing my loom videos and, uh, in the Centurion lounge, I just, I really feel like it's important for people to get feedback. Um, even if I'm sick or whatever, I want to make sure that I'm showing up for people so that they can count on me. Um, and do my very best. Um, so just a list here real quickly. We'll go over a couple of these um, bullet points to end. So the professional is patient. They seek order. They demystify. They act in the face of fear. They accept no excuses. And plays it as it lays. Does not show mm -hmm. off. Dedicates himself or herself to mastering the technique. Do you want to take the rest? Sure. A, a professional does not hesitate to ask for help, does not take failure or success personally. Well, that's a big one. Does not identify with his or her instrument. Um, so for us, that's our physiques. Um, a professional endures adversity, self-validates, reinvents herself, and is recognized by other professionals. Yeah, and I think self-validation is a really big one. I think that you mm -hmm. need to make sure that your, um, you know, your self-worth and your strength comes from within and that you don't need validation from other people um, or, you know, whether it's as an athlete validating yourself by a trophy or as right. a coach, like what your uh, client's accomplishments are, you need to be able mm -hmm. to validate from within and um, I think it's great to always ask for help because it takes an army. It takes a village to yeah. build a bikini competitor. It takes a lot of <laughs> different people um, as a, 
a team and it's a team effort to get an athlete on stage. Um, and then as a coach, I just think it's important to be open-minded to other ideas uh, and yeah. other professionals in the sport. I feel like we should be here to help each other. Um, you know, there's a lot of high name coaches that are very closed off and very like secretive and don't like to share ideas or talk to yeah. other coaches on other teams. But I just, anybody out there that's listening, um, I would love that. I would love those kind of like professional conversations to bounce ideas off of one another because I can always learn from somebody and um, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. I love listening to other coaches speak about mm -hmm. their craft. Uh, there's just not very many of us. And so right. I've always wanted to put together like a mastermind for um, a bunch of coaches that are in the industry because it's such a small little niche that I f feel like it'd be cool to, yeah. to talk. So um, I don't know. There, I feel like there's a lot more and we're already at 32 minutes. Should we make a part two? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Sounds good. We'll end it there and um, stay tuned for part two of Going Pro. So if you would like to follow us on Instagram, we would sure love it if you tagged us on your story and let us know what you thought of this episode. We are found at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And if you would like to apply for the team for coaching for your unicorn prep, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button to apply. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.